We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. Hello, I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And today we're looking at the Kolchak the Night Stalker episode, The Werewolf. Ooh. Tony Vincenzo has an all-expense-paid working holiday planned on a singles cruise aboard the famous cruise liner, the Hanover, which is to be decommissioned after this final voyage. Vincenzo also has an unscheduled visit by auditors, and... Since nearly everyone else in the office is sick with the Asian flu, reluctantly, he sends his ace reporter, Carl Kolchak, on the cruise in his place. On the first night of the cruise, just after the full moon rises, a wolf-like creature begins slaughtering the crew and passengers. As the body count piles up, the crew fight valiantly, but futilely against the creature. Kolchak knows he's onto a bigger story than lurid tales on a singles cruise. Although he gets pictures of the creature killing members of the crew, he is knocked unconscious and taken to sickbay, where, while unconscious, his film is taken away from him by the crew. When he awakes in the morning, the killing is stopped, and he overhears another patient, a NATO man named Bernhard Stieglitz, complaining about a wound that keeps opening on his arm every month. Headaches, blackouts, and terrible nightmares. He demands narcotics, but the doctor refuses. After Kolchak is released, of course, he is dressed down by the captain, who orders him to desist his activities, but Kolchak already knows they've turned the ship around and are returning to port while trying to keep the story a secret. Knowing the moon will rise before they can return, Kolchak steals the silver buttons from the captain's dress uniform to melt and make into silver bullets. He warns the captain again, there is a werewolf loose on this ship, and they need to make port before the moon rises. The captain dismisses Kolchak, but then orders the ship to try to outrun the moon anyway. As the moon rises, the NATO man has drugged himself and chained himself up in his bed, but as the transformation overtakes him, he breaks free and the slaughter begins anew. As the number of passengers and crew continues to diminish, Kolchak must face the werewolf on his own. Okay, well, well, the werewolf... Um. I have done a little poking around, and before we get into what we think of this episode, um, I want to say that in several places, not universally, but in several places, this this episode is considered to be one of the worst the series ever put forward. But uh, I, I don't know if it's the worst, but uh, I just put that out there. Um, before we, when go you in, say several several places, uh, are you fan polls like and cult? Yeah, there are Kolchak fan forums and and yes, it, what is there a Kolchak monthly magazine? I don't know if there's a Kolchak monthly magazine. I don't think there is, but there's definitely there has always been. This is a this truly is a cult program. There are just diehard fans to this day, and and I'll even go over a couple things that later on uh, that I stumbled across while working on this. It just shows how weirdly. Kolchak pops up in the strangest of places, you know, like its inspiration for the X Files or or the Lizard Man being dressed like Carl Kolchak later on in the in the ten series show. But it, it's had other influences along the way as well. 
Anyway, well, I, 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 I think I've probably mentioned the fact that I haven't been universally impressed by it, but I don't know if I've actually said that I literally had never heard of this show mm-hmm. before you said, hey, let's, you know what we could do for the podcast? This Night Stalker series, and I, that meant nothing to me. Uh-huh. So I'm slightly astonished to find that it is this... I, I mean, I can, I can understand its importance in terms of, of, of being influential, and that would be explicable even without lo- loads of people know. But th- there's this cult following, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> wow. Wow. I, you know... I'm going to explain this in terms of, and I and I am, I enjoy the show. I definitely see shortcomings in it, but you know, I have always I've always enjoyed the show since it was uh, when I was a kid watching it. Uh, but I also used to own a Triumph TR7 as the first car I owned, and I really liked that car, but it was a piece of junk. And and I remember one day reading in a a magazine or a, a book on classic British cars and they just ripped this thing from one end to the other and then they got down at the bottom and they said but for whatever reason this vehicle has a cult following and then it followed <laughs> it up with a sentence of but then some people collect string too and I- <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah you know cult following doesn't exactly mean that it's great or it just has something that appeals and i I will never forget that sentence for the rest of my life kolchak the bits of string of classic television exactly so uh, what did you what did you think of this one well after all that i have to say actually i and despite the the um fan uh verdict on this i have found i'm starting to rather enjoy it and i i don't think this is quite as good as the last one but it's it it's definitely in the kind of same league as the last couple which i would say well either either they're a big step up on what's gone before or i'm getting acclimatized to it (laughs) Uh, it one thing or the other it is kind of the character isn't it Kolchak has well, this sort of, I don't know, odd appeal to him and, and the way he goes about things, even though he's so obnoxious. There, well, there is, there is a growing... I, I do think that Kolchak's behaviour is modified. There is a growing appeal to the way he's behaved. Part of that is, is, is the way he's written. Part of that is the situations that he's being put in. So, for example, in this episode, sticking him in the cabin with that other guy mm-hmm. is just genius because you want to see you know, how Kolchak is going to, to react to him. And he's, so, he, he's sort of starting to uh, mouth the punchline to his, his chatter. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, that kind of, and, it, and it, it's hilarious. It's... Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's really uh, Kolchak Col, 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 Col has become uh, he's got he's he, there's a dry humour that I don't think was there to start off with, and and a wit in the writing that I also think has kind of kind of come in to to lighten the the shorter length shows a bit you know the I'll agree uh, with that Carl Kolchak is there with the C or a K both <laughs> yeah he he does. He does. He's sort of. He's wry commentary. When yes. they put when you put you put somebody like this singles seventies stereotype swinger guy in there, um, 
yeah, he, he's there for the people who want to make fun of that guy or at least kind of snidely have a little bit of uh, fun at his expense. And, uh, and it works. Uh, Darren McGavin is great at that. He's, he's got the right age. You know, he, he looks old enough that he's world-weary. He's not a pretty boy, so he looks like he's a bit <clears throat> not rough like in a fighter, but I mean he he's just kind of got that um, no nonsense or uh, gruff look to him. Yeah. He's, he's a little bit more crumpled, maybe. Than yeah, the, yeah. The so. the, sli- the slickness of the uh, of the kind of uh, s- swinging couples. Mm-hmm. So, but but also, I think I think there's a sense in which the whole show now is 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 much readier to basically take the in in the way. I mean, this is this is the key influence for the X Files because it's taking uh, conventions, anticipated conventions, and turning them completely around. So, uh, I mean, we've bitched a bit about how the episode titles give it away and you're going to have a, an episode the werewolf mm-hmm. and you already know what's going to happen so it's like the you know the first half of it is then a waste of time and that was true back when we were watching the ripper or whatever but in this episode you're thinking uh, okay it's the werewolf so it's it's going to be a werewolf there's no kind of suspense in that if you were telling a classic werewolf story that would be true this is set on a cruise liner. I so, know. I, and I, so and it's like, where, where would you least expect to find a werewolf? I just think that is brilliant. I do too. I, I, I disagree that this is the worst episode of The Night Stalker. Um, you know, my recollection of it was that it was pretty disposable. And I definitely remember finding the singles cruise a little cringe-worthy. Uh, just a lot of the dialogue that that goes along with you know if you want to do more praying it's coming down a place for a little drinky winky like oh please did people ever talk like that it <laughs> it kind of hurts but yes putting them on a putting them on a cruise ship where you are stuck i mean you're part of the and it, it's not it's not it it's both it's both creating a a, a clever twist for the for the werewolf story and uh, and that sort of sets it aside from being just another monster of the week where they happen to have switched out one monster and switched in another one mm-hmm. but also the whole all the kind of cringeworthy companions that, that, that Kolchak has the fact that he is stuck with them means he has to kind of rub along with them and that's and that's where you get the the kind of fun of of watching him sort of sort of slightly play the part as in, he's got to he's got to nominally get this story for Vincenzo and and interview people about life on the cruise liner, but also you know now what Kolchak's character is like, so you know the depth of skepticism that he's going to be experiencing, and therefore the kind of the the raised eyebrow and the tone of voice and everything is all loaded with that that humour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, I, I thought that I thought the cruise line was was a fantastic idea for for this uh, story. It just and and it's as you say, where would you expect a werewolf? Not on a cruise line. If I were expecting a story set on a cruise line, it would be a sea monster, or it would yes, be a ghost. Or, 
you know, pirate ghost yeah. or something. Oh yeah, I, but yeah, pi- pirate ghost. You know, kind of Davy so, Jones locker thing, but yeah, sea monster or or um, or reminded me of um, triangle in the X Files, where oh right, right, some sort of sea <clears throat> space time anomaly or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. but uh, not a werewolf. That's just not where you expect you expect them. So I'm just going to go out here and say, for a start, worst werewolf makeup I've ever seen anywhere. Oh, yes. Yes. It, it was it was terrible. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty forgiving. <laughs> okay, I might be critical, but I'm, I'm also pretty forgiving on these things. I don't mind if they're telling the story. I just kind of look back at, say, the 1930s Lon Chaney Jr., Wolfman, the classic film. And even when I was a kid, I didn't like the makeup there. Um, it, it was apparently groundbreaking and amazing, but a guy with some fur in his face and a black nose and slightly pointed ears <laughs> does not make me think of a wolf. And that was always one of the things that really bugged me about that film was that they'd see this man running on two legs, wearing clothes with just furry face and they go i saw a wolf like what (laughs) have you (laughs) never seen a wolf before because now if you go to a film like um american werewolf in london where the transformation turns him into something four-legged uh with a dog wolf-like face stuff then then that that works for me but i always just chafed watching it on uh the wolfman and that set the stage for so many uh, bad copies for years to come, and this is this is the worst of them. It's it's just a very very cheap rendition, and the only good thing is, thankfully, they didn't show it very much. But they did. They that's where they. I mean, now you can get incredibly impressive transformations. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, American well well from in Paris, you, but on a different budget, I think. But now you know, TV shows like Being Human can do incredible things. Right, uh, with the same kind of uh, per episode budget that pro- presumably Kolchak would have had, but what they could have done with the money in uh, 1974 would be not show as much of the wolf as they did. Yes, and I, I think with, I mean, I can kind of see why they like vampires as a monster because all your budget's got to run to is a couple of tooth extensions, but invisible aliens. Yeah, Invisible Aliens, very good. Um, but but also, generally speaking, they they have been quite good at showing relatively little. And the the, the, the direction in this and the, the kind of special effects in this, well, I don't know if you call them special effects, but the freeze frame effect mm-hmm. that, that they kept having, it, I, I just thought it was pointless and jarring and I couldn't, I didn't quite get what it was going for so i'm i'm gonna guess and i am guessing that the freeze frame effect was meant to prevent you from seeing the body be ripped to shreds and a huge bloody gory mess that that was meant to be the moment of death and then we don't need to show you anymore because but you could cut away you could cut away that's right and and you could show people's reaction well if there's anyone there and and i guess that would be my other my other uh, complaint uh, was that it was difficult to tell. There seemed to be times when he would, like when he leapt into the bridge 
and he would just fling the people around. I got the impression that they were dead at that moment, yeah. that they were dead, even though he hadn't wolfly, wolf-like savaged them. And it was unclear to me whether or not he was supposed to then subsequently ravage the bodies or whether when they would talk about people being torn up, that was the script not jiving with what the director was able to film. Because a lot of those fights, all it looked like was that the wolf man pushed them off to the side and they were dead. Yeah, because it's the standard MO of a Kolchak monster, which is he has super strength. He mm-hmm. throws people around a bit and, uh, yeah, people shoot at him and nothing happens. Yeah. And going further, he killed at least. So passengers, the woman he threw off, there were the two couples at the pool. That's five. Then there was uh, Mel, who we see at the end. That's, that's the person that he's walking out to go confront the wolf and he finds the body in the doorway and he looks at it. That's the guy's wearing Mel's clothes. So that's obviously him. And so that's six that I can count. Did, did, didn't he give a count at the end? Yeah, he did. He, say there were nine? he said of the 11 crewmen and four 11. passengers who were attacked. It's like, uh, nope. <laughs> no. Looked to me like he was slaughtering bodies right and left. I would have guessed closer to 20 crew had been killed in that, in that bloodbath. Um, but then the dialogue lets us down at the end and says, well, we don't know how many of them died. It's like, wait, we, we saw, <laughs> no, <laughs> he definitely, he, he was slaughtering people right and left on that ship and, and fair dues to him. I, I never did really like the whole thing where the, the werewolf goes out and kills one person and then sulks back to his, to his lair and then agonizes about it the next day. Um, you know, I, I, why wouldn't a savage killing monster just keep killing all night long, which is what it appeared he was doing. But, um, yeah, so there was, there was that cut, um, discrepancy between what Kolchak enumerated at the end and what obviously had happened on board that ship. So that was, that was another thing that kind of bugged me because of, you couldn't tell whether he was just tossing people aside because if he just tossed them aside, then they all saw him and said, I was, I was attacked by a werewolf. Right? There's too many witnesses. They have to be dead for this cover-up to mostly work. But, I, I mean, the, the, the thing that isn't... Because it's just a standard, a standard monster basically throwing people around to their deaths or whatever, then it's not clear what a werewolf would do. Why is a werewolf killing people? Because um, cause wolves are nasty. <laughs> except, except as we know, we even get in the voiceover that uh, they there are no. I, th- I think it says there are no records of attacks on humans, mm-hmm. um, and we we also know that uh, when they do attack, they're attacking for food. Mm-hmm. So, but that's in 1974 when this was made. That was the beginning of people realizing that wolves weren't just nasty killing machines and yes historically they've been vilified and um and then if you go back to the werewolf legends even further back people's fear of wolves is that they are savage beasts and then that's that's where the legends come from now well the reality of the wolf is very different just as the reality of the vampire bat is kind of 
or the bat. Yes, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not expecting reality uh, in right. that. You know, normal wolves don't kind of turn into humans when the moon goes in. But there is uh, some some sense in which um, it's not clear. Is 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 he just running running around throwing these people around just to create mayhem, or does he like killing them? In which case, why why doesn't he why doesn't he tear them apart, or does he tear them apart? We don't get to, we, like like you say. There's some discrepancy there between what we see and what we hear. I and yeah. Well, I think I, he, he's 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 running around when they're shooting at him, climbing up and and then jump. What's he doing there? What's he? What's is he trying to run away? Is he? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get it. And part, I think part of the reason why that's slightly more frustrating in this, this episode is that this is not quite the same as all of the other monsters in the sense that we get to to see the human. Uh, version of the werewolf Mm -hmm. because he changes back and forth he's not he's not become a monster he he is in a in a in a much more um in much more in the sense of someone who has an affliction who has an an illness and who knows it and who is to some degree tormented by it so that that is the the by and large for for a a majority at one time things change right i mean we have we have twilight style vampires now that have mm-hmm. completely different mindsets and um werewolves i think since oh the howling comes to mind prior to that i think the intent there is that the werewolf is a curse on the person on the human and the werewolf is an uncontrollable killing machine and the person is supposed to suffer from the regret of the curse. The, the, the wolf will kill anyone close to them. The wolf will kill anyone that it can. And they have to live with it. And that is intended to be the, the tragedy of the curse of the werewolf. And we don't quite get that here either. Because, well, I, you know, I couldn't tell what Stieglitz... Knew. I mean, he, he knew enough to bring chains and yeah. and want uh, narcotics, but at the same time, he goes to the doctor and he complains about the wound and says, "I don't know." It, you know, it pops open every month, and I, I I black out and I don't know what's happening and uh, these headaches and these nightmares. I just want you to make them stop. And but when the the doctor won't give it to him, he says, "You fool," which would imply. You're going to die. I know you're going to die if you don't help me, which means he must know or what's happening. Or someone's going to. Yeah, or he must know what's going to happen. And if that's the case, for crying out loud, a cruise line. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come on. Couldn't you have thought of something else to do during the full moon? Could you have taken a cruise when the moon wasn't full? I, that part I don't quite get because he tries to restrain himself. Yes, that that yes, true. It doesn't make much sense that he's on the the cruise, but I'm giving them a pass on that because, as I say, I appreciate the kind of surprisingness of it and the unexpected sort of twist to the the type of tale. Um, what's interesting to me about getting the getting that aspect of the 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 curse, or if you like, the the a different monster, a monster who we see as a 
as a human who has some interaction and so forth there is that he is to some extent a victim and so we want to see how that will affect Kolchak whose basic MO in every other single episode has been to get some get some kind of monster killing kit together mm-hmm. um, always got to have some always got to have some Jerry Rig monster tech and and uh, basically uh, blast away or hammer away at the monster until he's dead. Mm-hmm. So is he? Is he? Surely he's not going to do that to this poor guy who is tormented by turning into what? Well, actually, I found out that uh, he was going he was. to. He was going to. Yeah, that's the the only cure to a werewolf curse is to kill him. So that when from the moment you get the curse, you're basically marked for death. Uh, it's the only release, and frequently, frequently, in werewolf lore, the werewolf appreciates that you've killed them. In the end, it's it's a mercy, a release. So, um, I, you know, again, they've changed that over the years. Like I think, as I mentioned with the howling, then that became more of a cult of people who have become the wolves, and they embrace that. Like. <laughs> I once a month I get to go out and have some fun and do stuff, and so it, it becomes a different dynamic. But um, you know, that's that's the that's storytelling changing it around to come up with new new ideas. I, I do want to mention going back to that point that there'd never been any wolves attacks. And he also mentioned that there'd been no wolves seen in Yellowstone since 1948. Mm-hmm. Remembering this was in 1974, I personally have seen wolves in. Yellowstone, because starting around that time, conservation efforts and uh, you know reintroduction efforts, uh, which has been very controversial, um, particularly with the ranchers in the area, because it's still a lot of its ranchable land, um, and they have made a comeback. And uh, I'm I'm going to put that down for a win, to yeah, you know to to say that. Here is an artifact telling us of a time when, you know, our own folly had, uh, and and you know, go into the eco- uh, ecological disaster of not having top predators and etc. But uh, you know, it's it's a win. So a lot of times people talk about how we've constantly make the world worse, but it's not always true. And here's an example. It just popped up in front of me because that was it's like oh, yeah, no, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen. So- Two wolves running, uh, you know, at distance uh, in in Yellowstone in an, in an area where they were known to to run, and um, you know, oh. it wasn't in any danger. But um, fantastic, it was. It was amazing. Um, it was amazing, and and know, great until Trump's executive order to exterminate the wolves, or the yeah, or the national parks, one or both. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> poor, poor Tony Vincenzo. <laughs> He's often referred to as Kolchak's long-suffering boss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that sums him up. But this one seems far worse. Uh, what, I li- what I like best is the way Kolchak laughs at hearing that he's got the flu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, genuinely laughs. He's he's not just he's not just sneering at him because he's not on the phone anymore. He's just and and Paula or whoever's in the room with oh, him yeah. won't get the joke. Right. He's just laughing at it because he thinks it's funny. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, it's it's not nice, but it is funny. 
<laughs> Poor Vincenzo. He just really had terrible, terrible luck in this episode. Um, what I thought was odd was he said, I haven't had a vacation in five years. And I was thinking, I guess I guess getting fired in Vegas and getting fired in Seattle yeah. one and two years ago doesn't count as a vacation, but... I don't, I don't know that you can be on your phone to the boss and say, I haven't had a break in five years. It's like, yeah, yeah, you have. <laughs> although, although I did, I mean, this doesn't really answer the point about that because I, we, we don't know how much time has elapsed between one episode and the next. But between this episode and the voiceover, mm-hmm. at the start he says, that year, he said, t- talking about it snowing or whatever, he says that year. So well, that's it's not interesting. La- it's not last year. It's 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 like it's got to be more than a couple of years ago because otherwise, why are you bothering to pin it down to which particular year it was? That is, a, you, you know, you you ah, oh, interesting. Because the part that got me was at the end, and I have that written down. At the end, Kolchak is saying um, he's sitting there on the dock after the cruise with his luggage, waiting for a taxi. And his narration says the cruise line, wa- the cruise ship was broken down, and all the evidence gone with it after the cruise. And the passengers, nobody found out how many were hurt. There was no evidence of him in any of the ship's log or passenger manifest. NATO says they've never heard of the guy, and any efforts to uh, publish a story about a werewolf will be met with the fullest legal resistance. That sounds like time has passed since he got off that cruise ship. Yeah. And yet he's sitting there dictating into his tape recorder. And so now that you mentioned the whole bit about last year at the beginning, which I didn't catch, clearly a directorial choice. Kolchak should have been sitting at his desk for that final scene. Back in yeah, Chicago. presumably, or, or, or some, you know, somewhere else. But not uh, waiting I, for, I don't, to get off the ship, it, yeah. It did, seem to, it did seem to kind of mess around. I mean, he could be sitting on a key at, at some other, I mean either a different key or even the same key some years later Possibly. for some reason after some other cruise who knows but um but it didn't it didn't it didn't all quite gel together even if you sort of overlook the i don't i i don't know how far south they would have had to go for it to be snowing in chicago and for them to mind you you're telling me what the temperature is in arizona now maybe <laughs> It's probably a couple degrees Celsius cooler in Los Angeles than it is in Arizona. So um, it could be it could be in the. So they could actually be on deck in in those kind of clothes, even it's never, while it's snowing in Chicago. Oh, absolutely! It's it's never, and they probably went south. So it, yeah. he did say he flew into Los Angeles. So that yes. was a, that was Port of Los Angeles, which is quite south and quite warm compared to chicago so yeah no that 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 no problem no problem at all um but and he did say when he got in the taxi he said get me you know to the airport so it it did again didn't sound like this was some other dock and another day or well chicago's not on a ocean so i guess if he was at a shipyard he would be uh, could have been a lake well yeah chicago does have some very big lakes next to it so yeah, could have been. But I think it was clearly meant to be this cruise and they just they just muffed it. They had location uh and they were they decided to shoot next to the 
next to the docks and give it the sort of just didn't think about what the story was saying, what the narration was actually saying. Anyway, um, yeah. Also, I thought uh, Vincenzo was pretty caustic on Ron Uptight too. Yeah, <laughs> which fair enough. Uptight kind of deserves it, but at the same time, you know, that's what I expect out of Kolchak. Not necessarily what I expect out of Vincenzo, uh, but but okay, fair deuce. He's he's equally kind of ratty to everybody in in his office. Um, he also when he sends Kolchak to my point in his previous episodes that Kolchak is supposed to be a reporter, and it's not just this long sentence. I mean, he sends him on this he sends him on this cruise with the expectation of a certain type of story. Yeah, and he expects Kolchak to be able to do it. And before the killings start, Kolchak gives every impression that that's exactly what he's going to do. But in, yeah, in ter- but in terms of Kolchak, the the competent reporter in this, we uh, there are a couple of things. One is how he completely fails once he once he starts to to get a sniff of the the werewolf story. He completely fails to talk his way past anyone at all, and he tries all sorts of different things, um, which is which is quite entertaining, uh, even even uh, to the going to the lengths of making up uh, plots, spurious plots to movies to persuade Paula to. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 the other the other thing I like is when they get the photographs, they they look at them and go, "Well, Mister Kolchak certainly won't win any prizes for his photography." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, about some time, about time someone pointed that out." <laughs> but what I. <clears throat> To, to carry that in thought, what I liked is that the crew was not incompetent. They, yes. didn't, they didn't fall for anything. They didn't fall for his Yorktown story. They didn't fall for his son of the captain story. They didn't. The only time that they got, he got anything past them was when Paula did the contact link thing and he got into the radio shack for a few seconds to look at the log. Yeah. But they were no nonsense. And I think there was really no doubt at any time after they got a look at what was happening uh, on the first night, I think they knew exactly what they were dealing with. I, I don't think this is a case of Kolchak talking to the wall. Uh, this is a case of Kolchak talking to somebody who knows and is not going to give him an inch of satisfaction. He never denies it. The captain never denies anything that Kolchak is accusing. All he does is he makes comments about, well, you know, if you exhibit mental illness, I can have you put away yes and well yes of course uh, because as you say i i think it was about this one that it's that there is no police captain in it i did say that <laughs> there's just a captain fulfilling exactly the same role that the police captain and all the other episodes did but again it is a much more interesting one you know because the because he's not just a different character doing the same role he is he 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 does have a he does have a different take. He does have his own take. He is much more. Um, he, as you say, he he's in control, mm-hmm. and he has a job to do, and he's going to do it, and he's going to do it in the kind of approved maritime manner for doing it, rather than blustering and being annoyed or or whatever. So it doesn't feel like purely a retread of uh, all the mm-hmm. previous. Uh, people in that role even though it is you know fundamentally it is i I mean if it's not a police captain it's a police lieutenant in this case if not a police captain it's a 
ship's captain. Ship's captain. But, yeah, it's very, very much the same. And I think now my question is, what did he think, and what course of action should he have taken when he realized that Kolchak had stolen the buttons, the silver buttons off of his uniform? He must have known. He knew Kolchak thought it was a werewolf. He yeah. thought it was a werewolf. He knew they had to outrun the full moon. And he sees Kolchak has stolen his silver buttons. He must know Kolchak is going to make a weapon with that. He must. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, we do, because that's what Kolchak does every single week. I mean, it's a mallet and a stake or electric cables or setting up a burning cross. It's always, there's always monster killing kit. It's just this... This episode, it happens to be blessed buttons and a shotgun. Hmm. I don't know that the captain would automatically think, where have my dress buttons gone? Oh, that mad reporter must have decided to melt them down to make them into bullets. Hmm. I, I got the impression he knew exactly, because remember, he caught Kolchak in his room, and Kolchak yeah. blusted his I, way I'm out pretty, of it, sort of. I'm pretty sure he knew, he knew that Kolchak had nicked them, but no. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know... I don't know that he knew exactly what Kolchak was going to do with them, i.e. find a holidaying vicar and, and get them blessed before packing a shotgun with them. <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah. <laughs> well, at least at least they had George the Purser on there to help find all that stuff for him. <laughs> and he had an expense account to pay for it. So, yeah. Anyway, um, the Hanover, the ship, as I thought it was... Uh, I. Some of the things I like about Holchak are just these observations that he makes, talking about the Hanover weathering U-boats and parties and crossings and storms, but she couldn't survive the airlines. And that ship that they're on is the Queen Mary that they shot this on, which is in permanent ah. dock in Long Beach, California, and has a huge page on IMDb as to how many ships it's doubled for. <laughs> Over the years, but but that is the history of the Queen Mary. Uh, troop carry you know, from the night. She's not. She's not where they shot Triangle, is she? I doubt it, because Triangle shot probably in Canada. Oh yes. No, no. Series six, hadn't they moved? Anyway, I don't remember. We're discussing the wrong show. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it, nearly a hundred credits show up in IMDb as being shot in or about uh, the Queen Mary, and. Uh, uh, which explains why every ship I've ever seen looks about the same. I just assumed they all were, you know, the same. And now I know. They're all the Queen Mary. Uh, <laughs> but um, let's see. What have we got here? Uh, the well, there's Col Col Kolchak as the, uh, using, in this case, Paula. Mm -hmm. uh, so he, So he's, in order to get her to help him out with for whatever he wants to get into the radio room for, he tries to make up these movie plots because she loves the the old movies or whatever. And she, again, she sees straight through him, but says, it, you know, is, is it really that important to you? Because if so, just lay it on me. Mm -hmm. Don't try and don't try and con me into it. Um, which, which was interesting. I, I was quite nice in the sense that she was, they made her smart enough to see what was going on. Um, but also interesting in the sense of it is it it is it is you get the sense that Kolchak is very very casual in the way he treats people like yes. he will use them for doesn't necessarily have to be something that's important to him he will just if 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 it's 
if it saves him a minor inconvenience, he will lie or twist someone round his finger if he can. Um, yes. So in in this case, I guess it probably was important to him, but you don't know that. And also, I I do want to point out, I don't think he ever uses people in a dangerous way. I don't think he would have put her in harm's way. Right? He's constantly exhorting her to stay in the room, lock the door, go back to her room, stay in the room, lock the door. Same is true with the realtor last yeah, time. He yeah. gets her out of here. He's he's using them, yes, but he's not going all the way and using them as bait or something like that. And I I, I find both this and the realtor last time, we have put Kolchak in a situation where perhaps in a traditional TV show – of the era that would be the romantic interest for yeah. the episode for the hero and yet there's no hint of that at least not on Coljack's part it's, i couldn't well yes exactly couldn't tell with paula in this one i think maybe she was still i mean i'm on a singles cruise and i'm looking to meet a guy and here's a guy and he's interesting i guess <laughs> i mean maybe you know maybe there's interest there i couldn't quite i think there tell. has to be some interest there because she doesn't just leave and never come back which right. you know, I would have found until the end. Under, when we don't pretty know what understandable. To her. Well, yeah. Once he shoes her out of the room with the priest, um, last we see her or hear her. Yep. Yep. True. Um, also, Mel. Except we see his body, and since his body was in the doorway of a room, we assume that's Wendy's room. So Wendy's probably dead too. Um, but uh, yeah, it was that was that was kind of odd that we just gone. And then, and out of his life. Um, on the other hand, it is, it is a singles cruise. Uh, no, not a singles cruise. Let's try that again. A swinging singles cruise. And the implication there is that you got a, a boatload of people who are there for one thing only, and that's sex. Not meeting your life mate or anything like that. This is a this is a bed hopping uh, cruise, and. <laughs> so yeah, that could be part, part of Paula's motivation on this as well. Could just be, well, you know, it's here, True, guys, yeah. so whatever. All right. Why not? And nothing comes of it, presumably. But um, anyway, poor Carl, he could have done worse. He could, he could do worse. Somebody had put up with him, help him out. Yep. Um, the guy who plays uh, Mel, for, for our listeners, uh, happened to just die about a week ago. Um. This being oh. the 1st of February. Um, Dick Gautier, probably the most famous in the United States, and then therefore probably the only place he's famous. Uh, he used to be Jaime the Control Robot on Get Smart um, back in the 60s. And he's been known for that ever since. But he's got that he's got that kind of swingers haircut and face. And, and look, and a lot of the bit parts he played in the 70s were very much like that character Right there. Very big, glad smile, insincere um, kind of guy. Uh, the captain would be recognized to a lot of people here, Henry Jones. Um, he's been in some Hitchcock films, and he's been in TV shows forever, and um, bit parts, usually, because he's kind of the gruff, with that kind of, I uh, say, strange voice, but very distinctive, distinctive voice. Um the guy playing Steglitz, uh, Eric Braden, I believe is the name. Also, just a longtime character actor. Uh, very, uh, very Clint Eastwood in that first appearance. I thought of the kind of 
maybe mysterious stranger vibe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that hat was weird. Yeah, I think he's like a bad guy in one of the Planet of the Apes films, and so he's he's had some parts in bigger films. But um, um, let's see, and then and Nita Talbot. I don't think she was ever famous for anything, but she was just a guest star as Paula in so many shows at that period of time. Again, it's Kolchak seems to be hiring actors that people would have known at that time for what is essentially bit parts. So, uh, let's see. So Stieglitz, let's talk about him. So we we're thinking he knows what he's happening to him. He had gone to Montana for the Billings, uh, medical facility and apparently ripped some people up there. Um, had been attacked in Greenland by something, presumably a werewolf, I should say, and uh, only one guy survived of the four men crew. So this is his third werewolf event. Still just don't make any sense to me why he's on the ship. Well, I suppose once he's got through everyone on the ship... (laughs) And uh, and I think that's what would happen. I, I think that, you know, given what he was doing, he would have killed everyone. Well, yeah, but then... At least, you know, if if he were in a city, he would have torn through everyone in the neighbourhood and then he would have moved on to the next neighbourhood and then where would there have been an end to it? Whereas on the ship, he'd have run out of people. I don't know. Maybe don't that know. was his plan. Were- werewolf logic. I, I'm not a werewolf. <laughs> I, I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, also, Kolchak shoots it with a silver and it does not seem to kill it. Well, it seems to give him some discomfort. At Definitely. Least. Well, it is the only thing that left blood. I mean, they were shooting it full of holes and nothing happened to it earlier. But when he shot it with a silver, he definitely got a got blood. But instead, it goes overboard. If he hadn't shot it and he'd thrown it overboard, would it have died? Well, maybe it didn't die. Maybe we're going to get a sequel. I don't know. The thing that bugs me about this whole um, super strength thing is... Super strength is just used as a as a kind of cipher for immortal, or but you but it's not explained at what 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 does that mean? Or you, you know, I mean, never mind by what mechanism you have it. But if if he's not affected by, I mean, if he's not killed by being shot with a load of bullets, how come? How in what's actually happening there? Are the bullets not penetrating? Or are they penetrating, but the the penetration doesn't kill him? And if if they are penetrating and causing him tissue and organ damage, how is he continuing to fight? You know, it's as if this supernatural stuff just does not make any sense. Well, it is a bit, except we we have become accustomed to it making sense. So in in the X Files, there was some kind uh-huh. of you know that's what Scully's there for to to. to ask those questions and try and get some answers and even in something like torchwood with captain jack's immortality at least they kind of they they sort of test the limits of of what that immortality mm-hmm. actually means here it's like well d- mm. d- d- we d- we don't there's no indication even of of what's going on with those bullets whether they're bouncing off or or what? Passing you know, is through, it, yeah. What is it about the silver that, that allows the, the, the bullet to penetrate? Or is it something about the silver that when it has penetrated, it's particularly um, poisonous or, or somehow, you know, reacts with the, the uh, werewolf chemistry? I don't know. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, 
you, ha- you have to take it on faith. Now, th- this is it is a que- <laughs> well, it is a question of faith. This is a this is a demonic creature. These are supernatural in the church sense of supernatural, a creature of the devil, uh, uh, a, a curse from hell. It's not. But I'm fine, fine with all that. But like you say, they could, the bullets could be passing through. In yeah. which case, they might be shooting we just need people. to see that. We just need to see that. Or, it, or they're bouncing off, which is fine. In that case, we just need to see that. If you throw a werewolf in the sea, what happens? Does he drown? I mean, yeah. you can't kill him. But then what if the sun comes up and he's still at the bottom of the sea because it's six miles deep there? Uh, <laughs> so does he walk well, exactly. back to shore or does he die until the next full moon? And does he have to be touched by the rays of the moon? Because once he goes down deep enough, there's no light getting through. And so, da 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 da. And could and, and and could you could you kill a werewolf when a werewolf's not a werewolf? In which case, if Kolchak knows who he is, but I don't he's, he, think he's you not can. he's not transformed yet. I don't think you can. I think well, if you kill them when they're a human, they will rise when the next moon comes. You mean they'll be dead until the next moon yes. comes, and then they'll then they'll be undead. So they'll yes. be like a zombie werewolf. Well, they'll thing. be restored to life, but so then when they transform back, the guy will be alive again. I believe is the way that works. But you know, I mean, this—you start talking about supernatural monsters. Obviously, it all falls apart. I mean, the the one that always gets me is okay. So let's let's switch it. Let's use ghosts. Ghosts are quote unquote supernatural. By definition, supernatural is not natural, and therefore can't be can't be uh, measured or scienced uh, in one way or the other. But but. If a ghost can change the temperature of a room, as is frequently thing, or move things, then it is interacting with a new natural world, and therefore there we is can some science. There, we can science bits of it. That's right. And as soon as you start thinking about that, it's like, well, why doesn't the ghost fall through the floor? If he can walk through a wall and he's on the second floor, why doesn't he fall through the floor? Does gravity work on him? I don't know. Why not? And and. <laughs> And it, it all falls. Well, apart, I don't know, so. but some of that, some of that, st- some of that stuff has been quite interesting. So, I mean, if you, but I, th- uh, I don't, I don't think you've read the the uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. But the ghost in that, the account of the experience of passing through something for the first time is really interesting, because because Adams posits that it's it's something where actually you don't do it because psychologically. He's 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 newly become a ghost. Psychologically, he's still in all the habits and 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 mindset of being not a ghost. So you expect to walk on the ground and you expect to stop when you get to a door or whatever. And really, if you're not keen on being a ghost, you're not particularly going to want to walk through a door. But maybe you have to because you've no longer got the uh, ability to turn the doorknob. You know, I, I mean, it, I'm just throwing it there as an example of you can take you can take a supernatural idea. You're not necessarily going to make sense of it, but you can have some fun with it. This is this is I what agree. I think is brilliant about the X Files is they take all these ideas. They they there are so many of these things, and they and they, and it's it's all fuel for this idea that you can take it and you can pretend to take it seriously in order to poke fun at it because ultimately. That's, you know, that's what it's all about. But it's only by taking it totally seriously and exploring all the aspects and and kind of saying, well, how do you explain this? Oh, maybe that. Because in the end, you get to a point where 
you reach a, you you reach an extreme where it is just too ludicrous. But if if you don't if you don't even try to explain any of this stuff, what's the point? I I agree absolutely. I agree. The fun part in it is um, looking at these things and trying to work. And ultraviolet is a perfect example of that. Yeah. I think what we're seeing, though, is an increase in the level of sophistication, not necessarily in the audience, but but let's let's grant them the prevalent, but in the in the sophistication of the writing. People yeah. have been watching these things based on the old legends, which don't make any sense. And you watch them, you ask questions like this, and some of those people are writers who go on to write their own stories, and they go like, I, sh- I loved the Night Stalker, but you know, what did happen to the bullets when the werewolf was shot and they go on to make shows like the X-Files and, yes. and they add new to the mythos of these, these fictional things that, you know, they would, if you watch the 1930s films, for example, the, the classic universal Frank, uh, Dracula and the Wolfman, they tell you these legends as they've interpreted them. And, from that point in time, those were codified to the modern audiences that this is what a vampire is. The fact is, if you go back and look at the legends, they're nowhere near as um, cohesive. Um, you know, werewolves can be killed but, by by ki- killed by silver. No, werewolves are killed by wolvesbane. No, werewolves come to uh, become werewolves when wolvesbane blooms. They don't have them, and so they got codified into these very simplistic legends, and then they've started to bloom from that point forward as people start running with these new ideas. And occasionally the writers will go back to the old legends and go, well, no, let's try, let's try one of these different ones that no one's ever heard about and go a different way. So I, I and I, I don't blame but it, but it, but it's, that's, that's a different, it's a, and I, and I guess what you're saying is we're on a, we're on a, a route to, treating these things in a in a different way to taking a different approach which is much more uh, a kind of uh, exploratory approach uh, uh, looking at the looking at the ideas i guess mm. and what they would mean whereas the ghost stories themselves are fundamentally about atmosphere or, or i mean ghost stories vampire stories mm-hmm. the the general kind of horror idea they're fundamentally just about the atmosphere and giving you a thrill and giving you a scare, whereas here we've got a story about well, yeah, okay, we've got a we've got a werewolf, but we've also got someone from a, a, a news agency investigating it, and it's the clash of of that that lets you that lets you explore some of this. And I think that's probably why I think that this series is becoming more successful because it's moved more away from the from the straight slightly more gothic um traditional horror setting where it is all about the the kind of the the spooks and the scares and set it somewhere where you create some kind of dissonance between the the type of tale that you're you're telling which is in this case the werewolf legend and the environment you're telling it in which is a it was a modern 70s swinging singles cruise and here is Kolchak, our intrepid uh, n- news reporter, who you know, who in no way is anything like the werewolf hunters of, of legend. Well, apart from the yeah. oh, shooting it with 
Silva. These are baby steps. These are the first baby steps. I think yeah. we're seeing here. I think this is this is the we get, and it it has its it has a flaw. Uh, and and you and you can see some of these things in in the approach that Kolchak is taking. He is, um, I would hesitate to say, a man of science. Um, he's he's not necessarily trying to science the werewolf, but he's definitely a man of technology because because he's got his uh, he's got his blowtorch out and his pots and his and his silver buttons and everything, and he's busy casting shot in order to to shoot it so he he definitely likes the the kind of the tech approach to to solving these problems finding the right finding the right kind of equipment and using that rather than the uh, blunt instrument approach that typically the police or the crew or whoever will tend to go for and that and of course we see the crew or the police applying that time after time unsuccessfully yeah and and so so kolchak doesn't have to he watches the police get get mopped up for it. Uh, so I have one question: What would have happened if Vincenzo had gone on this cruise? <laughs> I guess Vincenzo would have been even less lucky. <laughs> That's I, I'm I I wonder. I mean, I don't. We don't know enough about Vincenzo to know whether or not he would rise to the challenge of of this story. I, I would I would love to see that happen in <laughs> in, in an episode of the Night Stalker. Where I'm not, he's a I'm not more sure. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm ready to watch the spin-off series of uh, Vincenzo, the 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 Night Stumbler, or whatever. <laughs> uh, okay. Do you have anything else about the episode? Otherwise, I want a couple of things. Just uh, couple I just I just want to know about this whole working for NATO thing. How does that work? I don't know. Was it NATO? It Were they actually NATO. saying NATO? They actually said NATO. So he was in and, doing something for NATO in Greenland. But the implication was he was employed by NATO, i.e. he was a NATO soldier, yes. not an American soldier on a NATO deployment. I, yeah, I couldn't tell there. I mean, obviously we didn't see a uniform on him. I assumed that he was a foreign European uh, military attached to NATO. But... But it just... The, it seemed very odd. As far as I'm aware, NATO doesn't work like that. You, you, NATO isn't an army. NATO doesn't have an army. There are NATO commands, though, or I thought there were, maybe in the 1970s, when NATO was a lot more focused on the Soviet Union. I guess, I guess it may have been different, but my understanding would be that you might be on a NATO mission, but that each country of NATO would contribute troops to it you wouldn't have nato troops it wouldn't be like a single army i don't i mean i don't know but the whole the whole defense thing is a huge or has been a huge hot, hot button issue uh well certainly in the uk in terms of the being a european defense force the idea of having a european army which has never happened well it's uh, not now it's always you guys aren't in europe anymore well yeah except that our idiot foreign secretary has suggested the rest of europe should now have a european army after it yeah, anyway, well, I won't go there. Um, the, 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 the idea um, of having an army, that having a kind of extra-national army would seem to be an extraordinary thing for us, and therefore I was surprised if that had ever happened. Um, yeah. But I, I, now that's why I thought I was mishearing it. But then have, they kept saying NATO, so... 
I have vaguely had recollections from TV shows, so take that with a grain of salt, that there were military bases, American military bases, and that officers, at least officers, were assigned to those bases from NATO countries. And that's what yes. I assumed that this guy was, that he was yes, like but, a German yeah, but officer. Would, but, but then you would say he was a German officer. That that he, It just seems to me very odd to refer to him as a NATO Yeah. Yeah, because if you if you had an if you had an American soldier who was assigned to a NATO base, you would still call him an American soldier. And why and why bother? Why not just yeah. have him be American yeah. soldier? Soldier, I guess because Greenland Greenland's not us. So no, uh, I don't, been I, I Denmark. They wanted a German. They wanted somebody with a with a bit of a thick European accent because werewolves are European. I. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe it was an American soldier, and then they hired a guy with a German accent, and they said, ah, uh, NATO. Just pencil in NATO, and we'll go from there. No one will, no one will ever ask <laughs> about that affiliation whatsoever. Um, I have two things. One is not much of a tie-in, but it is a tie-in. I was watching the opening of a Gene Roddenberry pilot called The Quester Tapes, which was... Uh, Mid nineteen seventies, a little bit after Kolchak, and it was. Um, uh, it doesn't really matter. It didn't go anywhere, but it was a Cold Equester tapes, and the opening sequence when the bad guy walks into the uh, science lab, they are playing the theme from Kolchak in the uh, as the incidental music, not the whistly bit, but the but the other part. And it turns out that it was done by the same composer, Gil Millay, and. He just lifted it right up out of the work he'd done, and he'd put it down in the Quester tapes, and uh, which is weird. But, um, I mean, it's not like James Horner that just writes the same music over and over again. It's... <laughs> it is... Uh, <clears throat> Ouch! Yeah. Back in the knife box, Miss Sharp. <laughs> but the... Uh, but, yeah, it was just picked up, dropped right in. So that one was... I, I don't know that I would call that an homage. That just happened through the Gil Malay was doing the music. But I, I stumbled across while looking for this. There was a TV series in the United States, a half-hour drama, which is very rare. Drama's tough, bit of a loose term there, melodrama, called Werewolf. And it was a show in the vein of The Fugitive or The Incredible Hulk. And here our hero is bit by a werewolf. And he every month he becomes a werewolf. And so... He travels around the country, uh, interacting with other people, and then towards the end of the episode, the full moon comes up, and then somehow, instead of slaughtering everyone, his werewolf saves the day for the poor people that were in trouble, that were around him. I mean, it, it is very formulaic. And his quest, however, was he is told about the curse that if he can kill the werewolf that created his line of werewolves he will be free of the curse. And so he is hunting around the country for the werewolf that turned him into a werewolf. And that character's name is Janos Skorzeny, which the producers absolutely picked up right from the original vampire in Kolchak the Night Stalker. <laughs> it's just one of those things. They, these, these people making films 
have watched this show or TV shows and they remember it and they pull stuff out of it from time to time. And I just I stumbled across that because I was looking for Kolchak, Werewolf, and there was an article that pointed that out. I'm like, oh, you know, I knew that was the guy's name, too, because I did watch the show. It wasn't very good, but I watched it anyway. And uh, and I remember his name being that. And I didn't put two and two together until then. So such an influential show. <laughs> anyway. Simon, uh, unless you're and, and there's a foot, foot, uh, just a quick footnote to the Queen Mary story there, mm-hmm. where it turns out the X Files episode Triangle was filmed aboard the Queen Mary. So there we go. It wasn't coincidence <laughs> that I thought of that. <laughs> Influential yet again. There it is. They probably said, "Hey, we need to do a story on the same ship that Kolchak was on." I have to go. I've never, I've never seen it. I'm, next time I go to Los Angeles, I'm definitely going to go see the Queen Mary now. Never had any interest until now, and it's like, you know something? I have to go see it. I guess it's a hotel. You can stay in it. I don't know if I'll go that far, but um, (laughs) it could be a werewolf on board. (laughs) All right. Well, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners, do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.